All right, look at somebody and say, it begins with you. Our youth, you may be dismissed today for a youth group. You may be dismissed. Adults, stay put, right? Just stay put. Well, I want you to open to a couple of places in your Bibles, um, and we'll get there eventually. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, uh, and then Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. I'm going to go through several verses. Please know in your bulletin, if you see my message title, that wasn't a typo. It's actually a Greek word, dunamis. Everybody say dunamis. You may never use that word ever again, but it's a Greek translation that means a force. A force. I didn't use that word because May people, May 4th, people celebrate Star Wars. May the 4th be with you. That wasn't that. It's found uh, uh, initially in one of the scriptures in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We'll look at that in a minute. But power is the word that we read in our English translation. Dunamis is the Greek word which means a force. Many of us, when we hear dunamis, think of dynamite. And when we think of dynamite, we understand that there's power. And that's what I want to look at today. I did mention uh, the last couple of weeks, and I want to say it before we get into it, that the last four weeks when we've been looking through Acts, the, especially the first couple chapters, about the Holy Spirit filling those first disciples that Jesus wanted to make sure that before his church ever went out on the go, they ever went out and did anything in his name, that they were all filled with the Spirit. That's when the church started. And then the second thing that I've said the last couple of weeks is this. I wonder how many of our prayers are prayers that we say soulish or by thought rather than praying in the Spirit that our Spirit Led. In fact, as you're going to read this week in Romans, Romans is going to talk about in chapter 8 that the perfect prayer of God is found in the Spirit. So Lord, we stop today and we, we thank you for your word. It speaks to the very core of our heart. You said it's life to those that find it and it's health to all their flesh. So we open our heart again. Teach us. In fact, we know this. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. And he will teach us today and bring back things to our remembrance. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, let me read a couple intro scriptures. We've been doing these every week since January. So important. John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes... To me, I've got to come to him. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Notice we mention those week after week, coming to him, not hungering, not thirsting. John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. On the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood up and cried out. We don't see that many times in the scripture of Jesus crying out or yelling something, but he does in this situation. And he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Here's another, come to me. Come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke this concerning what? The spirit, whom those believing in him would receive 
For the Holy Spirit was not given yet because Jesus had not been glorified. Well, since Jesus was glorified, we see the promise of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. But really for this year, and this is what I pray every day, one of the verses I pray every day at 1.21 p.m., even if I can't get to it right there, is this over all of us. It's, Jesus says these words, blessed, in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be what? Filled. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst. Now that's not for your lunch break, right? I'm just blessed today because I'm hungry. No, spiritually speaking, that we would be people that would hunger and thirst for him. You know, uh, doctors tell us when you are thirsty, that you're already dehydrated. How many of you are thirsty right now? The minute you said that, I'm thirsty. You're already dehydrated. Now, your body will do a couple things to let you know you're dehydrated, and one of them is usually your tongue will stick to the roof of your mouth, right? And you have to get something to drink or your, your thirst. But spiritually, when you're thirsty, do you know when you're spiritually thirsty? Have you discerned that before? Do you know when you, maybe you've gone a season and you have not connected into the Lord, like we'll look at today, and the next thing you know, there's a spiritual thirst on the inside that has to be quenched. We're not only filled with the Spirit, but we're making sure that we're coming to Him to be refilled, refocused, encouraged, We'll talk about that today. But Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I want to read this and look at that word power. And these are Jesus' words. And he says, but you shall receive power. This is that word deutimus, a force. You shall receive a force when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now here's what Jesus is not saying. The only thing the Holy Spirit has come to do is to allow you to be a good witnesser. Well, I told somebody the other day, Jesus loves you. And I thought, I was a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, you might be. But there's so much more that he's meaning from that. There's so much more. Some people find it hard to go out and be a witness. But Jesus said there, there's a time and a place, there's a power present in you to be a witness, to give a word in due season. And he says you don't have that power or that force. In fact, I want to read what the Greek translation of this word dunamis is. And it has several words. And all of them are amazing and awesome. In fact, I want to hit a few verses that they refer to. It refers to a strength and a power. It refers to an ability or a power residing in a thing. Or which a person exerts or puts forth that power. Power to perform miracles. Moral, I thought this was a thing, moral power. How many times have we said, I just am not strong enough to get through that. I've been trying to cut out sweets, and last night I think I heard the cookies talking to me. <laughs> you ever had that happen? And it started with a whisper, and then it got loud. <laughs> and I went by and I opened the cupboard, 
And I just thought they were already closed and sealed up, but my son must have got into them. And I touched one. And I, no, I didn't rebuke. But you know what I'm saying? Moral power, right? Moral power on the inside. Excellence of soul. Power, listen to this, power consisting in or resting upon armies, forces, and hosts. You know, I go back to the Old Testament as I was doing this week and looking at the power of the Spirit of God on armies. How would an army take down Jericho's wall by marching and shouting and clanging? Was that just a force that they had? Were they certain singers that could do that? Or No, it was the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Resting upon them, uh, protecting them. You know, nowadays we're so used to everything automatic, don't we? Everything's automatic, and I love it. I have lights set automatically with timers. We have air conditioners set automatically. It's nice to have an automatic vehicle. Some, some people like stick shift. Everything we do is automatic. We don't even have to think about it. But what Jesus is wanting to set in them is that there's a power. You're not just on cruise control now as a Christian. You now have that power inside to listen and tune in to his voice because he might say to you, you need to go through this area. He might say to you, stop and pray and lay hands on this person. He might tell you, you've got authority in you to overcome the situation that you're going to. But that's why we've got to all come to him. Hunger for him, his words. Drink at his well. So I want to pull out a few verses that this actual word dunamis is used or a force. Just for a quick reference before we go on. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in what? Power. In fact, that's one of the things that he talked about, was he said, I didn't come with excellent speech. I came in demonstration of, and it's that same word, dunamis, power. The word of God is not in, the kingdom of God is not in word only, but power. And I love this one. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, the Apostle Paul writes this, that I may know him, talking about Jesus, that I may know him and the power, that's that dunamis, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Now we might pray, I want to have the power of that resurrection. We usually don't pray in the fellowship of his sufferings right, and being conformed to his death. Paul would connect into every single thing that Jesus went through, even physically, what he had to endure, but he understood the power of connecting with that resurrected spirit of God that was on the inside of him. Acts 6, 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power. We read it again. Do you know what Stephen's role was in the church? Stephen ran the coffee bar. Well, I'm using today's, uh, a distribution table. But Stephen was full of faith and power and did great wonders and signs among the people. He wasn't the teacher in the church. He wasn't an apostle. He was the guy waiting tables, but he was full of, I think it's a great illustration for us in the scripture, even the one that we might not think, no, he was full. Tell some of your neighbor that they're full of it. Right. 
Doesn't matter what role that you do, you're full. Say that, I'm full. I'm full of that, full of that power. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, we don't have it up, but Paul talks about their open doors of ministry, that there's a power present to open doors that were originally closed, and these doors that were opened were for the ministry. There's power that God uses to open doors supernaturally. And then the last one, Romans chapter 8, verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. If the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will give life to your mortal body. It will give life to your mortal body. Or one of the definitions, that moral power. That power to overcome. That power to stand strong. You know, and as I was reading about this, and I'm going through the Old Testament, one of the scriptures, in fact, it's almost heartbreaking. We're going to read it in a minute. But I want to take just a little bit of time. I'm not going to read many verses, but I want to look at the life of Samson for a minute. Um, I want to pull out a couple verses here. You know, one of the, I think probably every kid that has heard about Samson loves the story of Samson. They love his supernatural power. I'm still trying to figure out how the guy caught all the foxes, tied their tails together, and then put a torch on it. That's pretty amazing. I have a hard time catching my dog, okay? <laughs> Let alone 300 foxes. But, you know, we knew where his strength was from. It was the Spirit of God that came upon him. When we read about Samson from birth, he was set apart. He was a Nazarite, which meant he couldn't drink, he couldn't touch anything unclean, and he couldn't cut his hair. That's an odd one, isn't it? Uh, can you imagine being a 30, maybe a 30-year-old, and you've never, ever cut your hair? He probably was the first guy with dreadlocks. Probably the first one uh, out there. But that was the vow. But early on, and I used this over, uh, I've used this years and years and years, especially when talking with youth, and I think it's uh, especially true even in talking with men, that the first words recorded about Samson, the first thing he says, he's going to judge Israel for 20 years, has the Spirit of God on, upon him for supernatural things of, of strength. The first words he says to his parents are, get me that woman. Let me say it again, what I think he did. Get me that one. That's the first thing he says. You know what his downfall is, right? His downfall will be Delilah working, working on him. Uh, but that wasn't his downfall. The downfall, we'll read in a few minutes, uh, came before that. You know, I remember my, uh, I, had a, I had a girlfriend in junior high. She was a year younger than me. She was actually Italian. I thought about that the other day. Maybe I was destined to uh, have Italian. Well, I think I was in, I don't know, I was doing something else, and I wrote a love letter. You know, this is before cell phones. You know, I wrote a love letter, gave it to my brother with strict instructions. If you don't deliver this to her, I'll break your neck. No, I didn't say that. Sorry. <laughs> don't give it to anybody. Don't you read it. Wrote the love letter, and somehow my mom intercepted it in the car on the way to school. 
So later that evening when we sat down, she wanted to have a little talk with me and she pulls out the letter. And I was embarrassed. I don't remember anything it said. It probably was gushy goo goo, you know, junior high, you're, you're the only one in the world. I probably quoted old songs uh, back then. But she told me that I was not allowed to have a girlfriend. I was not allowed. I don't want you calling them. I don't want you writing love letters. She was, you know, down the list. And I appreciated her saying that. She was looking out after me, watching out after me. And yet what we see with Samson is here's mom and dad and they're out. And this guy set apart. The angel of the Lord had appeared to his parents that he would be born, that he would judge Israel. And the first thing he says, get me that woman. Well, that first one is upset because he proposes a riddle at his wedding to a bunch of people, and it has to do that he kills a lion, and then in the midst of a lion, the bees end up going on the inside and creating honey. And he eats out of an unclean animal, which he wasn't supposed to do, and so he throws out this riddle. Well, the wife tells him, uh, you know, she's on him about telling him the answer, tells the answer, she tells it to the other people, and then he finds out he has to go get 30 changes of clothing. And I don't know why he just couldn't go get them from somewhere. He goes and kills 30 people and takes off their clothes and brings them back. You know, kind of these odd stories, right, in the Old Testament. Yet he continued kind of in that, that bit. And yet we see powerful things that he did. In fact, in Judges 13, 25, we read, the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. He takes the jawbone of a donkey and kills a thousand men. Right? Just the jawbone, the spirit of the Lord. You know, when we read about Delilah, it wasn't the first time that he gave up his power it, or the secret. It wasn't the second. It wasn't the third. It was the fourth time that he gave up the secret of his power, which was cutting his hair, which she did. In fact, this is the verse that I read this week in Judges 16, 20. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. You know, Samson seems to love Delilah. We don't get an indication uh, about Delilah really loving him. She's actually used by some people to find out his strength. But when I read that, I just stopped. He had the power to leave her. You know, if she's trying to trap you, I think after the second time, I'm going to get out of here. You know, if you wrap me up with seven cords that have never been used, uh, I'm, you know, I have no strength. And he goes, I guess, you know, goes to sleep. And Samson, Samson, they're coming in, they're coming in. And he snaps them right off like nothing. But on the fourth time, you give it up, but you read that verse. He didn't even know the Lord left him. He didn't even know the Lord left him. You know, Judges chapter 16, 25 says these other words that are hard to read. Because they took him, they gouged out his eyes, and they brought him in. And the Bible says, and he performed for them. They took this man that had the Spirit of God on him with power. They stuck him in a mill like they would use for an ox or a donkey to grind whatever they were doing. But somehow in the midst of this celebration, they brought him in and he performed for them. 
God's man, God's judge, a man set apart, a man with unusual strength. But here's what, here's what we read. He didn't know that the Lord left him. You know, we read that, and it's a little bit discouraging, but here's what we have to take out of that. Don't get to the place where you're spiritually dehydrated, that you don't know that you haven't got into that first love, that you find yourself and you say, you know, I just don't feel right, something, and it's not physical, but don't get to where you've walked away that you haven't come back to drink. You haven't, you've neglected, come back to that fountain. That's why Jesus says, come to me, come to me, come to me. Whoever hungers and thirsts will be filled. We use these examples, these are put in the Bible to show us, don't get out of it like Samson did. He didn't even know the Lord had left him. He thought he had all the power to snap it off, but his hair was gone, his strength was gone. Yet God would redeem him, wouldn't he? He prayed to the Lord and God would redeem him. You know, I was reading an article this week from a gentleman that I'll follow, and he said eight years ago, um, he participated in a minister's conference with eight well-known national, he didn't list the names, well-known national Christian pastors and leaders. And the reason he wrote the article, he said half of them now are now out of the ministry for situations that had happened. You know, there's nobody out there that doesn't need, that would say, I got the Spirit on me all the time and I will not fail. No, I keep coming back. I keep coming back because he's the one that corrects me. He's the one that instructs me. I love that verse. He's going to correct the man of God. He's going to correct the woman of God. He's going to get us back in line because we never want to get like Samson to get out that we didn't even know that he left. But here's Jesus' promise to you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That's powerful, isn't it? I will never leave you. But it's the flesh that's prone to wander. And that's why he said, no, you got to live inside out. Don't live outside in, live on the inside out. That's why I want to look at a couple of these verses. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I want to look at this out of the message and out of the new century version. Galatians 5, 16. My counsel is this. Live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. I love what he says that, right? Live freely, animated, and motivated by what? By God's Spirit. That's our motivation, God's Spirit. We're motivated by that Spirit. We're not going to allow the flesh, the two cookies talking to you. We're not going to allow those things. We're going to follow His Spirit. The New Century Version says it this way. So I tell you, live by following what? The Spirit. Live by following the Spirit, then you will not do what your sinful selves want. Live by following that Spirit. Follow after the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the first worship songs I learned, I do play guitar, and I think I know four chords. That's about the... If you would like, I, I will lead worship on a Sunday. It will be one you will never forget. <laughs> but there was a song, More Love, More Power. Any of you remember that song? Oh, we said, more love, na, na, na. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? More power, more of you in my life. You know, later I thought about that. 
Does that mean God wasn't enough with what he gave me? That I got to, hey God, what, what you gave me wasn't enough. I need you more. Well, he doesn't need to be more. We received the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the flesh that fights that needs it more. I've got to say, I need him more. The more is in you. And I remember there's several times we'll sing things like that. I just need more of you, as if God would say, you haven't done enough? What else do you want me to do? No, it's us on the inside coming up to say, no, no, I, that's where I'm coming back to him. I'm hungering after him. I'm coming and drinking from, from him because it's not getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit getting more of you. Apostle Paul said, crucify your flesh every other Friday. Didn't he say that? No, what does he say? Crucify your flesh daily. Now that's not saying erect something out in your backyard and every morning go out with a hammer and nails and set yourself up for the day. No, what, you know what he's saying. He's saying you've got to put this flesh under and allow this spirit to come out. It's not getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit getting more of you. You know, and I mentioned this, I believe, last week. We're so used to everything connected that it should be a good reference for us. Every one of us has to charge our phone. I can't wait for the day they come out with something that you never, ever have to charge your cell phone again. Wouldn't that be great? Some of you, or maybe not, maybe you have an electric vehicle. You still have to charge that thing. Even if you have a gas-powered car, you got to get gas in it. Everything around us has to be charged up. If you don't pay the electric bill, guess what? This shuts you off. Everything we have is connected in to something to recharge. Can I tell you this about our spirit? Connect in to the Father. Don't get disconnected. Connect into him. In fact, here's what he wants. He wants that relationship so much. And that's why he's placed the spirit in you so that you're never alone. He'll never leave you or forsake you because you've been connected in with him. That's why I love that. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And he says this, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dis dissipation, but be what? Filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making uh, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at that verse for just a moment. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms. You know, I had you do that in our greeting time. Don't go up to the person and say, you know, I really like your shiny head today. I really like your shirt. I really like uh, this. No, no, no. Encourage somebody. Go up to somebody and even if it's just say, you know, you're a blessing to me. You're a blessing when I get to see you. Encourage when, you know, sometimes there is. There's a psalm or a verse that you can encourage somebody with a scripture that speaks to their heart. Speaking to one another in Psalms. You know, one of the reasons Hebrews 10.25 says to not forsake the assembling together 
is that it's not a head count or an attendance count. It's being together. It's encouraging one another. It's to say, you know, I'm so glad I didn't get to see you the other week. I'm so glad to see you. I've been praying for you. It's that part of being together, encouraging one another, and then in the giving of thanks. Speak, he says, speaking to one another in songs, in hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Whenever you go through one of those passages, let me tell you a great uh, opportunity. Take time and put on worship music. Or if you know how to worship, worship yourself. Take time. Worship is that connection that begins to start with the Father. Worship. Tune out the flesh. Turn it off and make sure that you're connected and tuned into your spirit. Be filled with that spirit. And I love where it mentions that. Let me always have a song of praise and thanksgiving. And I love when I read it in the Psalms. I love when David will start one part going, Oh Lord, I don't know what's about to happen here. But somehow, someway, he turns it around. Right? Oh Lord, how great you are. How powerful you are. Let that song of praise, let a song of thanksgiving be on your mouth. Be something that you say, something that you do, even in the midst of a battle, that you're a person that praises and gives thanksgiving, because it will lead to an overflow in your life. And remember this, Jesus always describes our relationship with him as a vine to a branch connected together, right? Life coming forth. Fruit coming out of our life because we're connected in there. But let's always remember as, as we read that verse, I'm going to hunger and I'm going to thirst for righteousness. I'm going to make sure that I come to him because he promised that if I come to him, I'll be filled. And it doesn't matter if I don't feel anything, I'm going to rely on that relationship with him. You know, if Michelle didn't tell me she loved me this morning, I didn't come to church thinking, you know, I don't know if she loves me anymore. She didn't tell me today. Maybe she doesn't love me. Oh, my goodness. No, no, no. I know she loves me. She's going to tell me next time I, I, I see her. Have you told me you love me today? Okay. okay buddy. <laughs> That's the relationship we have with our Father. Come to Him. Right? He won't kick you out. And he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Bow your heads if you would with me. In fact, I wanted to pray for us today. It's not getting more of the Holy Spirit when we're filled. It's the Holy Spirit getting more of you. Father, we come before you today in Romans chapter 12 where we read, Bring our lives to you as an offering. Bring our lives to you as an offering. Embracing what you've done for us. Father, I pray that you would take these verses and that you place them in our hearts, in our spirits, and they become alive. That we find life in being filled with the Spirit and operating in that force that we read that we have the power that's given because of you and that command of Jesus upon us. Lord, let us be people that are drinking at the well. Let us be people that are hungering for you. Let us be people that even if we might feel dry, 
Let us be people that encourage one another. Because when we step out and we encourage others, it revives us. You created us for relationship. Let us be those that speak blessing and songs, people that sing, people that sing over people. And Lord, we thank you for that opportunity today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.